Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is episode 203 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, officially, our first, I'm going to call him brewmaster, head brewer. Um, he's the owner of Ovalcraft Brewing, Jesse Jolliker. Um, not too far away from us on the other side of the Oval, so it wasn't too bad of a commute to get him here, but I'm excited. Uh, I've been wanting to have a. Um, is a brewmaster the correct term? Or is that like an actual, like you got uh, to get that term? I would refer to myself as the brewer. The brewer. I so, feel like brewmaster is too final. Okay, so he's, he's, he's a brewer, and based on uh, everything that I've read, saw, and researched about him, I think that's kind of your vibe, is kind of like like chill, like yeah. fun, and, and kind of uh, definitely, uh, uh, like I said, a love for what you do. So Jesse, I appreciate you coming on, but for people that do not know you, give them a little introduction. Who, how'd you got to uh, 2022, Jesse Jolliker? Um, so I, I started out as a home brewer in college. Um, I always liked beer, and I... Wasn't, wasn't very rich, so I could make beer better than I could buy at the time, so I started out home brewing then. Um, my background's in microbiology, so it kind of lent itself to brewing, and then um, I home brewed for 19 years, and in that time, I did some courses uh, here and there, like Siebel Institute or the Craft, uh, Craft Brewers Guild, and um, I had some people that were pretty big in craft have some of my beer. They said, yeah, you might want to go commercial, and I at the time, I was never one of those home brewers who dreamed to go commercial. I just liked the hobby of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working for a company in the Seattle area at the time and, um, they wanted me to, I had, I was out there my family was still in New York and then I moved back to New York and then they wanted me to move back out and I decided I was done doing the travel around thing. So I said, I'm going to go for it. Um, are you originally from the area? Yeah. Plattsburgh. Uh, yeah. Plattsburgh. And you went to Plattsburgh state and it was, so microbiology was the kind of the main, it was what was you said, right? Microbiology? My degree's in education, uh, secondary education biology. Okay. But my focus area was micro. So what got you into the sciences? I've always liked sciences. I'm not really sure. Um, I always had an interest in uh, you know living organisms and ecosystems and that kind of thing. So it, it came naturally. So like, when did the beer, the actual brewing start? In college? Um, 1996, 97, somewhere in there. Yeah. So about the same time yeah. as you were in college? Yep. So this was, did you get any... Like going and taking the courses and everything in college, was that what sparked the interest in brewery? Was there like a connection? You're like, I like beer and I like, and it's cheaper to make it potentially. Yeah. And I like science. Like, yeah. is that kind of what happened? No, actually I did the courses well after college. Um, I was older when I did my courses, my classes. Um, in fact, I did the one at Siebel in 2014. But, but, um, uh, sorry, I meant the plastic state, like your actual like teaching classes. Like, oh. Were you doing beer at that point in time? No. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I started brewing beer in college and then out of college I was teaching and I used to do, in biology, we would do a lesson on uh, microorganisms. So we would, I would try to time it out around our Christmas break and we would make a homemade root beer in class and carbonate it with yeast. Um, and that was kind of like a thing for kids and they, they loved it. 
Um, so, but so the science. Do you think the science led you to the beer, or did you find the interest because there was the, that was the science behind the beer that we all drink? I think it was. Um, at first, it was just the interest of making beer. <laughs> you know, that was that was it. And as I got more into it, it was understanding the science behind it. Um, the science in brewing is always changing. Like we're always learning more, mm-hmm. and that's that interests me all the time. Yeah. Um, last week, I had Norm from uh, Lakeside Coffee. I don't know if you know Norm, but yep. we were talking about science, and he was. Uh, like when he does the the roasting, he like basically opens up a notebook and he has everything down to the time that he, you know it's all science. I mean, he has all his, he's logged every variable you could imagine. Are you the same with brewing? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. We, every batch of beer has a two page spreadsheet. That's all this data. That's just <laughs> everything's captured. Um, you know, in, in the commercial setting, you have to be repeatable, and yep. that's that's part of it is knowing all the, all the variables. So, so I was gonna say the variables are pretty much set in stone when you start the brew. Do you, do you uh, change any, or is there anything that you can like? Ah, this this is a variable right here. This is, things this change, is, yeah, yeah. Like just for example, um, last year there was major drought out in West, so all the grain that came out of the U.S. was terrible. It's terrible okay. quality. Um, it's not good for brewing, but it's what we have now. So you have to modify each recipe to adjust for those differences every time you brew, based on the volume that you're using of each of those grains and where they fall, good or bad. Is, what's the process of that? Uh, you have to look at... When I buy like a bag of grain, uh, there's an analysis on it. Mm-hmm. So I can look at that analysis and see where it's changed from my previous batch. And I can make those adjustments. Is it hard to make the adjustments? Sometimes. So yeah. how, how much... Uh, is it kind of like figuring out like a problem? Like are you working on like a math problem or kind of like a, a logic pop problem and you're just trying to solve this thing and it's like, I'm close, but it's yeah. not the right answer? Yeah, there's always a calculation. There's um, sometimes there's process changes you can make. Sometimes there's um, you know time changes. There's volume changes. So there's all these different things you can do, and sometimes one works better than the other. And it's I mean yeast is a living organism. Uh, brewers kid around that we're yeast farmers. Yeah. And our product or our byproduct is beer, um, which is kind of true. Uh, the yeast is really doing all the work, and we're just kind of making the right environment for it. I was going to say, you're just manipulating what's going to be kind of a natural process anyways. Yeah. Um, so w- when it comes down to the brewing of an actual beer or the process of coming up with, say, a new beer, or even your first, say, your first couple batches, like, what what goes into actually brewing beer? Like, obviously, there's yeast, but, like, there's, there's way more steps to it than just simply, like, fermenting and everything else. Like, how does that all start to finish kind of in a, I guess, a linear path of, like, what, a point A to point B? Uh, so you would start out with, um, I, I guess it would begin with your grain selection. Um, there's a, a million kinds of different grains out there. And of each one, there's different strains and different ways it's kilned. So you first you, you develop your recipe. So you have your grains, your volume of grain. Um, you have to calculate, you know, if everything's done right, there'll be this much available, sh- available sugar. And then the yeast will eat this much of that sugar. You'll have this ABV. And... There's all these things that happen before you even get it in. Get the grain in. I mill my own grains, which means when the grain comes in, I crack the husks with a machine uh, to expose the endosperm, which has the sugar in it and the area that I want to get out. Uh, then you mash, which is that milled grain goes in uh, heated water to a very specific temperature. Um, you adjust the pH in the water, and that creates the right environment for enzyme activity. And then those enzymes break down those sugars and make them into fermentable sugars for the yeast to eat. And that's the first step, just mashing. 
And then once that process is done, is that where does that um, resource, I guess, go into at that point? The the spent grain or the yeah. liquid. So the liquid would then be put into the um, kettle, the boil kettle, mm-hmm. where I'd be boiling it um, for different times based on what kind of beer I'm making. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, my spent grain, um, which would be like a I guess a waste product of brewing, mm-hmm. uh, goes to a local commercial um, composter, and they're making compost with it, and then it returns. Back to Plattsburgh as compost, and they sell it at the farmers market. Oh, nice! Yeah, full circle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you ever go uh, back and buy it? Yeah, actually, I, they just gave me my—they <laughs> gave me a bag this past week. Uh, it's really nice stuff. Um, <laughs> oh. so, so really, I have kind of—it's kind of like almost a like zero waste business. Uh, the bags go to the composter as well, and they then use my grain bags to package the compost into. Um, you know, beers put out for sale, and like I reuse my yeast and things like that. So those are always used more. You know, I, I go through quite a bit of water. That's probably the biggest thing. Is was that by design though? Having that renewable resources and letting things kind of come back I and mean, limit the waste. It, it works well in this area. I also it was also a goal of mine to not create a, a lot of waste. Um, and luckily, this is an industry where it's it's easier to do than others. Um, how has the how has the craft beer market changed? And from when you started brewing, um, and when did it kind of I feel like it popped a handful of years ago, yeah. like craft brewing. We started seeing more, at least, I mean, locally with other places and the brewery, especially when you travel, breweries become like a destination for a lot of people where, you know, for whatever reason, that's like, I like stopping by breweries and, you know, people, it's kind of a good vibe and atmosphere. Yeah. So how has, how has craft beer changed from the late nineties? And then how has, like I said, when was the pop of like craft beer or like I, a bubble maybe? I feel like it really exploded and probably like, 2010 to 2012 was when it really started to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, we had the big ones around in the 90s, um, and they were just kind of wetting people's whistle. And now, I feel like by like uh, 2012, it was definitely hot. Um, New York was slow to it though. Uh, Vermont had definitely had more craft breweries than we did at the time. And um, I think I was a little bit late to the game coming in at 2016, but uh, still worked out. Yeah, um, and and how. Because, again, I kind of feel at the same time that's when craft breweries came out, but, like, I don't, again, now the difference was I wasn't drinking back in the 90s and, you know, early 2000s, so I don't, it wasn't really on top of my radar, but I feel like locally and and even a few hours out locally, there's some, like, great breweries, especially when you go down, you know, downstate and you go to Vermont and, you know, obviously other places, you know, around the area, but um, it just seems like they're popping up more and more. Do you think the, is the craft beer change or do you think that just the idea of a brewery change more like where do you think that this the growth came from with the two i think um it's such a friendly industry i think a lot of people they do like you said they go in for the tourism aspect of it and they say geez i could do this you know and then they say and then they find some money they start it up and they get going um i i think the market at least around here is probably pretty close to where it's peaked out Mm -hmm. um you know, if there was three more breweries to open up in Plattsburgh or in this general area, I think it would start to really hurt each one. And what would happen is the best ones would rise and the, you know, the least good would fail. Um, and I think that's general for the area. I mean, and there's, I'm guessing there's what, probably half a dozen or so breweries, you know, if you go in like kind of the Clinton County area, um, it seems like everybody's, each of them offer their own style, but they also... I don't feel like there's much 
like I wouldn't say I go to one over the other because I don't like the other. It's just kind of like where to me it's like where I'm going. Like yeah. if we're going to bounce around or go to different places. Like I'm down to try a bunch of different ones because I'm not a I'm definitely not a beer snob. I'm one of those like if it tastes good I'll drink it kind of deal. I'm not like yeah. picky on the beer. <clears throat> but I think for me it's more of the social aspect. You're with friends, you're hanging out. Like you just put on. We'll, we'll get into it. But like the whole uh, kind of patio terrace that you know obviously lends to nice summer nights and nice uh, warm days uh, day drinking, which is awesome. So. Um, but do you find that like the local brew scene around here is pretty supportive and, um, it seems like it's a good industry locally amongst just our local brewers, like just pretty chill and yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we all get along very well. I mean, there'll be times when, you know, Owen at living goods will call me up and says, Hey, can I borrow your, this piece of equipment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Come get it. You know, and, or I'll call Vinny over at Valcor. Hey, do you have a bag of this kind of grain? Yep. I'll bring it right to you. So we, we're, it's a very friendly environment around here. I think in areas where it's oversaturated, you get more of that competitive kind of, you know, like any business, I yeah. guess. Uh, but in general, I mean, we're making beer, you know, so people are pretty laid back when I, they're making beer. I was going to say, beer. I don't think I've ever seen an uptight uh, <laughs> brewer, we'll call him brewer, but um, it, it, it's cool though, because I think it's an industry kind of like uh, like when vineyards started popping out and we're starting to see more maple syrup farms up locally than we have in the past. And it's cool when you're, because um, I feel like they're starting to become like one in the area. Like we're starting to be known, you know, for beer and then for wine and for maple, I mean, maple syrup obviously for years, but you're starting to see these other little pockets of industries pop up, which is cool because, yeah. and wherever they went and got that knowledge, like I've had, uh, you know, Dan and Nancy on from Vesco's and like, they were kind of the same thing. Like they yeah, like doing, well, first off they like drinking wine and then I was like, well, this is kind of fun. And yeah. then how can we turn it into something? And then obviously they've run with it and it's have turned it into this like kind of destination, uh, stop up in Shay Z. Um, so I just think it's cool, like that, like grassroots kind of movement, and then it turns into these like legitimate businesses that people, you know, want to go to and want to spend time at. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the neat things with it too is uh, every brewery has its own unique vibe and its own way to put its product out. So you could go to ten breweries in one small area, and you get a different experience in each one, and everyone finds their little niche that way, and it's it's always reflective of the ownership and kind of what they want to do with their space. Well, and, I, and again, I was some of my research on you, it sounds like you, you really care for that personalized touch of it. Like you're brewing, but you also want to be seeing people and you want people to see you and you want to have that where it's not just, Hey, that like, yeah, Jesse's in the back brewing. We never see the owner, like you're front and center and really want to kind of connect with the patrons that come in and really turn it into kind of this community home, homegrown kind of feel. Does that, yeah. that sound about right? Yeah. I mean, one of the most important things to me when we were building the space and kind of figuring out how we're going to paint it and things was, I just want everyone to be comfortable and to be treated like they came to my house kind of thing, yeah. you know, and that's, it's, I think it's, it's not everywhere and it's a good thing to have. Um, we went to, what was it? Common Roots Brewery down in Glens Falls a couple yeah. weeks ago. And have you been to the new place there? I, I went there during COVID. So you couldn't go in, you could go in and buy cans and leave. That was it. Did so. they have the patio all done up with all the rocks and like, no light. So, but it was, I use the analogy when I was friends. I'm like, it feels like we're in someone's house right now because you're just like chilling, but it's like, hey, just come in, grab a chair, go around like a little fire. And it was, it was a cool vibe. But yeah. there is a sense of that when you have a, and same thing with Norm last week. It was like, you know, you're almost inviting people in to like sit in your living room and you're serving them food and you kind of want to be accommodating and you want them to stay. You don't want to just come hit and run and grab a drink and they're gone. Right. You know, it's like, no, chill, like hang out. Like, you know, I'm sure you've met some interesting people too. Just, yeah, I've met a ton of great, that's what the best thing about the business is the people I've met really. So how often do you get like, cause beer is social. Like yeah, you dr- social. drink beer. You're like, 
if it's not social, you typically probably have a problem. But like most <laughs> of the time, when you're drinking beers with friends or other people, and you want to, yeah. you know, kind of connect. So, um, I guess in your, you know, six seven years now, you've been doing it. Like, how often do you just meet people traveling through to stop in and just like you're on the route, they check it out, pop in, and you, go, oh, this person's really cool. They came from this, you know, this place. I would say that happens weekly. Yeah, yeah. I'm always meeting someone new, um, and I think that's also part of the industry that makes it unique is that tourism aspect where someone from Iowa will seek out a brewery in Plattsburgh. Like it's just how that, how it works. And you, so you get a different exposure because it's so many walks of life it's, it's beer. It's outside of their norm. So it's, you see a lot of other things. Do you have a good network of people outside the industry in the beer world? I would say so. Is yeah. that important? Like to reach out and kind of, I think not even really collaborate, but just pick ideas and like trends and see things. Yeah, I would say I have a, a network of friends who are business people in general. And um, it helps me sometimes when I you know, I'm, feel like I'm banging my head against the wall with an idea or maybe I want to invest a little bit in the building and I'm think, wondering, is this a good move or not? You know, And I have other people who have been in business a lot longer than me and they can kind of give me that advice of, yeah, stick with it or might want to wait, wait on that one. Well, and I think I'll say this to the, the end of time. Like anytime I have someone come on and that runs their own business, what people see day to day is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> like, and, and I think the people, you know, it's like, I'm guessing you never shut off. No. So it's like, you're thinking, you're planning, you're researching, you're prepping, you're like, your mind is like, you said you had kids, like it's a, another child of yours and it, you got to feed it and, and, you know, do all this stuff to make it grow but it's always on your mind. Like yeah. no matter where you are, you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about your spouse, you're thinking about, you know, responsibilities you have, but it, you know, it's not like you can just like, okay, I'm punching the clock. It's five o'clock. I'm going home and I'll see you tomorrow morning. It's like, no, no, no that stuff goes with you 24 seven. It's the unique side of being a business owner. And I don't think it matters what business you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a good business owner, you always want to be better and you always want to do the right thing. And there's not always a clear cut way how to do it. Um, sometimes you think, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's, you have to go outside your comfort zone and that's, I think that's always part of it. And I know for me, I, I'll never be satisfied with whatever it is today. I always want it to be better, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe isn't a good thing. I don't, I don't relax real well. <laughs> uh, not that I'm high strung, but I, like you said, it's always on my mind. Uh, but, but I'm sure like relaxation to you is work in some facets. Yeah. Like brewing, I'm sure for you is still like fun to do. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I think that's what some people get away from is like, like you got into beer because it was a hobby of yours. And yeah. the, unfortunately for a lot of people, they get into something that's a hobby of theirs and they realize it's hard work. And then the hard work takes over the love of the hobby, but that hasn't happened yet for you. Or I would say it's definitely not a hobby for me anymore. Like that, that hobby enjoyment isn't there. And now it's more, I, I definitely, I still love it, but it's not, um, it always, uh, there's a phrase you hear you're only as good as the last beer you made yeah um and that's the truth you know it's uh there's so much competition in the market and stuff that you have to always be on top um yeah so it's like just don't rest in your laurels it's like you yeah. gotta you gotta make sure that you're stepping up stepping your game up and yeah. um but again from a hobby like i'm gonna say like you have the hobby and then you have the business they're both brewing and then i would say the tie between both is is the science or the, the kind of probably what got you in it before it's like how do yeah. i make it and like how can i like it must be exciting to tweak the beer and make a different style and make a different you know maybe a, a special uh, 
you know, brew for a special occasion. It must be fun to do that. I love doing those little side projects. Um, I've done, I've done things like I did a, uh, we did a five BC beer one time. I did it in conjunction with a professor from SUNY. Um, his class was studying, um, somewhere in the middle East and they found a record of a beer that they had made. So I was like, let's make it and let the kids try it. You know, it was was really cool. Uh, pre hops. So it was very different. Um, we tried to do it as authentic as we could, but there were some grains available that we just couldn't get today. You know, it's, mm-hmm. this was quite a while ago. Um, I've done some time period beers for like Battle of Plattsburgh. I've in the past I've done that. Um, just yeah, it's that's that's the fun, and that's the thing with brewing. It's a mixture of an art and a science. Yeah, and you always have to weigh how far you want to go in either direction. You know, it's that pendulum. Well, again, I mean. I, I brought, I'm bringing up Norm again, but they're very similar, different industries. Same, like I asked him how much is science and how much is artistry? And he goes, it's kind of a blend of like a 50, 50 blend. So, um, do you, is there one that sticks out for you that you enjoy more? Um, cause you sound like you're a science guy. So yeah. like, I don't know. Like, I, see, I like, I like it when I just hit everything right as I, yeah. you know, my calculations and everything just hits right on. I, I do get some satisfaction from that. I was going to say when the, the standard deviation <laughs> zero, that's a good yeah. sign, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think, uh, you and I have, I can respect that cause I'm the same. I'm like, I'm, I like the creativity part of it, but I, I like it when I'm ba- backed by like some fact, factual stuff. Cause yeah. I don't have to second guess myself. I'm like, no, no, this is like, you can't argue numbers. Like, you know, like it's yeah. either on or it's off or above or below. Um, so what about the building that you guys are in? Um, explain that a little bit for people that don't know where you are. So, uh, when I was planning this whole thing out, I looked at buildings all over the North country. Um, and I just fell in love with the base itself. Uh, I just think it's a unique pl- area of Plattsburgh. Um, the old firehouse, is a unique building in itself. The area where the brewery is that was built in 1890 and they add the other part on in the 1940s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got that nice historic element to it. It's in view of the oval. So that historic district. Um, and I just like the oval itself cause people are active. They're out. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, young families around. It's just a good, a good way to have things. I feel like that support, what I'm trying to do as far as like being a community, me- community member and those kind of things. So, I mean, naturally you're called oval brewing, but was that the idea of having oval brewing as your name? I'm guessing that just came about because of location. Well, that, that's picking a name was one of the hardest things I did okay. early on. Um, I wanted something that was locally identifiable. Like it had its own meaning locally, Yep. but it also wasn't difficult for someone from outside the area. Um, and I had all these ideas and it's funny. Some of the ideas I have are now breweries elsewhere, which is kind of interesting. Uh, other people, Coincidence like, like or you told them? no, like mine's, I oh, okay, guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, so then I, I kind of came to terms when I actually picked out the building and I was like, you know what, this is a great spot. And anyone from around here knows who you say the oval, they know what they're, what you're yeah. talking about, you know? And then anyone outside the area, they asked me, so where'd this name come from? And I explained the history of the oval and all these things. And it's just a nice, a nice background with it, you know, a nice story. Uh, well, the building's cool because I mean, location, location's cool because it's very quaint. It's a very like small building considering when you really like, if you ever drive around the oval and you like from the far side, like the side more towards, um, us Ave, if you drive around and look across the fields, like, you know, that one building that's just to the right of the, uh, the rec center, like there used to be, um, John Mahalan used to have a shop there yep. and uh, a practice there. 
Uh, but when you go through, like you actually look at that building, it's not a small building, but when you look across the oval at it, it's dwarfed by all these other buildings <laughs> yeah. and your building's kind of the same. It's like that old, like old school, small little, you know, structure at the very tip of the oval. Um, but I think it just stands out cause it's so small. Like you'll see some of these bigger buildings that are now like apartments or, you know, kind of business complexes. Yeah. Um, I think at the charm of it, it's its own little thing. It's by itself. Right. Uh, yeah, it's and it's kind of. I think that kind of lends to it feeling homey when you come in. Is it's not as huge open space. I mean, I think my occupancy is ninety nine people inside. Yeah, you know, so that's it's a small building, and it's and it helps. It helps with the whole business model of not having a ton of, you know, I don't have like a huge menu of food. I don't. Everything's kind of small and focused, and I think the building lends to that as well. Well, the other cool part about it too, it's really the only brewery you can like drive by and see people just chilling outside. You know, like when you go. Like, I think that's one of the cool things when you go on the oval. I, I cut through there all the time because I just, there's no lights. You know, you can kind of like yeah. weave, weave your way through. But um, when you pull out, it's cool to see people like sitting either in, you know, Adirondack chairs or sitting on the uh, patio or just standing outside having a drink. The doors are open, especially like typically those like early spring days when everybody's just wanting to rip those doors open <laughs> and just have like the nice air come in. Yeah. Uh, but it's always neat to go by and just see people hanging out there and just having a drink because, like, again, it's a social aspect. But I've never gone to a brewery and been, mad or been upset or been in a bad mood i'm like i'm gonna go chill i'm having a couple of drinks hanging out with some buddies you know having some yeah. fun and it's just it lends itself to like that just a really like like relaxing environment but i think a lot of people they're so strong nowadays like myself included and everybody's like if you can just go and just chill out for a little bit it's nice it's yeah. a getaway yeah and i have several people who let me know that this is like their happy place you know as when they yeah when they need that spot to unwind this is the spot where they go and it's they feel like they're with like-minded people and they're just visiting and it's, you know, it's kind of, I, I have enough, um, I have like, I, I guess I would say I'd focus my business around local people and local support. And I, it's kind of created a nice little community of people who come there on a regular basis and they all know each other. And it's kind of like a family away from family kind of thing. And you know, everyone, everyone just comes in and has their thing and it's, it's enjoyable. Um, so when, when you came up with the original, so 2016 was when you opened Oval, right? Yeah. Okay, so since 2016, how many beers do you think you've made, and how many beers do you keep in a typical rotation? Uh, beer styles? Yeah. Oof. Uh, I bet I've made maybe um, 40 to 50 different styles. Okay. Or versions of styles. And how many have made the cut that they're they're tried and true, and you'll you'll just keep them there. They're staples. Uh, well, I I have three beers that I brew year round. Um, mm -hmm. Simplicity is a pilsner, Promenade Cherry is a Blondale, and Rock Eater mm -hmm. uh, IPA. They're, those guys are there all the time. Uh, they go to my distributor. They're outside in the market, and then I kind of have another class of beers that I call six month beers, where they're around for half the year, and then I have another one that'll replace it for half the year, and then I have the other thing the other tier that'd be like really more specialized like it's a summer beer it's made to only be around for the summer or it's a winter beer and those kind of turn over a little quicker um now the se the seasonal ones that you go through are those each year you're trying to evolve and make a different one for summer or a different one for winter it depends like i have okay. one beer a summer fling it's a blackberry cream ale uh that one i can brew every summer and it it has a huge following every time it comes out uh, where other times people want something new every time. So it's, it's they're always doing this balancing act of some people always want to have the same thing and some people always want to have the new thing. Do you like um, fruit fruit kind of beer? Fruit flavor or m notes of fruit in the beer? Personally? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it has its place. Okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but it has its place. Because like we say, like blackberry and all those things, like they're not my favorite kind. They're like people drink them. They're, they're yeah. great. Like I, I do like uh, like in the <clears> summer, <throat> I like more like the citrusy. I like you know the ones that have a little bit. I would say more on the citrus side, but the berries and the like. I love coffee. I'm not a big coffee guy. I'm not like I've had chocolate stout. I'm not a big chocolate stout guy. Like there's always these weird ones that for some reason I've always stayed away, and I've gone with just like very tried and true, simplistic like. Yeah a pilsner or an ipa but they're all they're all pretty much in that vanilla i say vanilla i'm saying vanilla like normal not like vanilla flavor but you know that just kind of um so do you do you find that most people like to kind of stay in that balance or do you think that you 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 see a lot of people just try anything and they're all over the map i i feel like there's just about anything i can brew people try uh people feel like if i'm putting it out there it's worth worth trying yep um but there's definitely some styles that sell a lot f- faster than others. And, you know, depending on maybe like the level of alcohol, people would drink two of them as opposed to only one of them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so there's different things that affect it as well. But summertime, definitely the fruity stuff and the very crisp, like that crisp IPA or, IPA or Pilsner, mm-hmm. that's what people are really enjoying. What's your best seller? Is it probably Rock Eater? Which is the IPA. IPA or Simplicity, my Pilsner. That one's really been doing well too. I was going to say that those are the two that I would typically gravitate towards. Yeah. Like, and I, I think a lot, like people at least that I've drank with, it's Pilsner for light, IPA for heavy for the most part. There's stouts and ales and, you know, there's a mixture, but those always seem like the two that kind of yeah. rise to the top. Yeah. Um, what, what, do you have a favorite kind of beer or one that you enjoy? I know it's a loaded uh, question for, for a brewer, but. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what's on tap and how I feel like right now. If I was to walk up to the bar, I'd probably order a ruby, which is a hoppy red. Okay. Um, so you like the red beer? That's your. I like yeah, I like brown ales, I like red ales, okay. um, light lagers. I, I don't drink a lot of IPA, which is interesting because some of the, like the newer brewers uh-huh. are that you know, like, all they drink is IPA and sour. And yeah, sours. I don't like sours at all. I feel like sours also pop recently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say recently, but I'm saying like a few years to now. Yeah. I've seen more sours on menus. Sours are interesting. Uh, people talk about them a lot, but they don't consume a lot. Okay. Yeah, like they'll have one, and the, but they'll talk about it for a week. Yeah, but they drink that. They drink one. It's a so yeah. It's, I was it's gonna unique. say it's. Um, well, I was. I can do like a sour. A sour is not one I'm gonna drink multiple of. Like typically for me, it's like a uh, like a pilsner. I could drink. I mean, they're meant to be drink, drink drunk in volume. I would oh, say yeah. versus yeah. you know. An IPA is like a one or two and you get your, you know, you get a buzz and it feels great and it tastes yeah. great. And then you're just like, I'm good. Like I just have a couple. And, um, so I usually, I'm not a big, dr- I'm a social drinker. So I'm not like drinking every night. I'm not, you know, going out all the time to go to a bar. It's like, Hey, if we're going out for dinner or at an you know event or traveling or just with a group of friends, but my, the IPA is kind of like, where are we at in the day? Where are we at <laughs> at the night? What's, what's yeah. the vibe? Who am I with? Cause sometimes just the Pilsner is just like, okay, this is like a steady Eddie. We're just going to have this couple of these and we'll be, we'll be good to go. Um, but yeah, the red, do you go in seasons with what you drink? Like personally? No, I'll drink anything, any season. Um, okay. but it's, I, I guess I gravitate more to the, of your balanced beers, you know, not overly hoppy, not overly malty. Somewhere right in the middle is where I really like to be. Like that, that's your like, that's like your 10 and two. Like yep. That's your, okay. Yeah, that's um, just comfort, you know. Sure, I'll go out for dinner and have an IPA with, you know, maybe some seafood or something like that. But okay. I'm not, um, you know, 
brewery hopping to drink everyone's IPAs. That that won't happen. Well, I I find that I would gravitate towards certain beers in certain seasons. Like there's there's a few things in my life: beer, wine. I'll put like alcohol, music for some reason, and like there's a few things. You know, maybe like food or where you go. I find it's just seasonal. I don't even decide it. It just happens. Like there's like winter. I just for some reason start listening to different bands than I would in the summer. And it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just like, there must be something in like the, the seasonality cycle. That's just like, no, no, this is, this is what you want to listen to for. So for me, it's kind of the same with beer. Like I don't like darker beers or stouts or ales in the summer. Like I'd rather have a Pilsner. I'll drink an IPA, but a lot of it's like that lighter. Yeah. Um, and even me, it's like, I do like the seltzers in the summer too, just because I mean, to a beer guy, that's probably like sacrilegious, but it's the <laughs> idea of like, it's just a lighter yeah. something you can drink and it's like drinking white wine in the summer. Like I'm not drinking white wine in the winter. Like give me like, <laughs> give me like a Merlot or a cab, like something dense and, and bold. And, um, do you drink wine at all? Or are you? No, I'm not a big wine guy. Um, I like carbonation and there's okay. something about wine, the flatness of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't, can't get into it. I've, I've had a couple I like, but I've, I've never gone out somewhere to and bought wine. Like, like oh. I'm going to go do this and have a wine with it. That's right. No. Um, what about, what about <laughs> the seltzers? Do you think that's a, uh, seltzers like definitely have, or? they have a place, uh, personally for me, I've had one seltzer in my life. Okay. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I, I'm a hardcore beer guy, Okay. beer and bourbon, I guess are my two faves. So have you ever looked at doing any kind of bourbon or have you done bourbon? I haven't done any stilling. Um, it's something that maybe I'll do in the future, get like a small still. Mm-hmm. And cause that's really becoming a big thing in a lot of breweries is, uh, you can kind of do like a combination license where you can still in the same property where you're producing beer okay, and um, use like your same bonded areas for tax purposes. And it kind of works because you, you can use, you can use beer to make that same spirit or you could use, you know, you make all fresh mash and stuff. Um, so like bourbon for you is more of like, like that might be like a nightcap or sitting down with a friend and having like a conversation or just like, I mean, is that something you drink? Regularly, is that more like a special thing? I would say it has its moments for me. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes after a rough day, I go home. And have the bourbon. <laughs> Beer's not going to get me there. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so for uh, so so for I guess the beer aspect when it comes to uh, let's say like the branding or the marketing side of beer, like how much thought and effort goes into that? Because um, the beer itself, but then how do you come about naming it? How do you go about um, or how do you go about deciding what style of beer you want to use? And, um, and I guess another question, I'm not sure the alcohol content isn't necessarily based on the style of beer. Like you can, like you can manipulate that also. There's usually a range that's considered acceptable if you want to be true to style Yep. for any style of beer. Um, true to style is kind of a thing of the past though. Like, uh, you know, I could make a Pilsner that's 12% and people would still call it a Pilsner. Technically it's not a Pilsner anymore, but, um, what what would be not a Pilsner, like above six probably. Um, I would have to look at it. Like I keep mine. Mine's like 4.5, 4.7. Most Pilsners are like keep it low. Mid fours to fives, like in that range. Crush them, you know, that's, that's what you want. That's it. Um, but yeah, yeah. When you're, when I'm kind of planning out my brew schedule, I have to think about, you know, people's personalities change with weather. So that's all part of it. I have to think about where is there a hole in my tap list because there's certain flavors, like flavor areas, you could say that you I want to have something in that area all the time. Okay, um, like you know something hoppy, something malty, something 
light, something very balanced. You also want to have these things. So let's just take like the balanced idea. So I have say five different styles I could do. I could do a, a Scotch ale, brown ale, an ESB, or a Vienna lager. Those would, those would all fit in that same very balanced, very drinkable. Um, I'll have one of those on tap at any given time because some people that's, that's their wheelhouse and they always want to have that balanced beer no matter where it falls in that, in that lineup. Mm -hmm. And that's something I also have to kind of look at. I have 10 taps. One of them, I, I make my own cider. So that's also on one of the taps. And then, so now I have nine to put beer on in the winter. I don't carry nine beers. It's just not busy enough. So I usually cut it back to about seven. Um, so there, you know, there's, there's other factors, storage space, how much cooler yep. space do I have? That's always a big one. You know, maybe I want to brew this beer really bad, but I don't have a spot to put it. So I got to wait on it. Um, a lot of logistics to it. How, uh, how long does it take to brew beer? Is it for like a style of beer? Or does it really differ or can you, is it all about the same time frame? Uh, so most ales, you can turn them out in about three weeks, mm -hmm. uh, lagers. It all depends. I've done some barrel aged stuff that was, uh, in the barrel for 11 months, you know, so it all really depends on style and what you want to do with it. Um, so when, again, for based on the time, but then once you have it, how much do you, how much would you brew of one style at one time? You talked about, you have the three, so you have your three main ones. Like how much do you carry always at, you know, at the brewery? And then how many of the other ones are you like, how many, you know, gallons are you brewing for the other, let's say six of them, not counting the cider. So my batch size is roughly 300 gallons. Okay. Um, for a beer that's got a lot of hops in it, like dry hopping, mm -hmm. it absorbs a lot of volume. So I'm maybe packaging eight and a half, um, well, let's say, uh, 240 gallons, um, where a beer that's not dry hopped and like a, like a Pilsner, I'll package you know, almost the whole 300 gallons. There's loss in process just by moving beer from tank to tank and stuff. But um, if it's something that I find, like my sour, I do a, a sour now. I just started last year doing sours. I only do a half batch. So I'm only doing maybe 150 gallons of it. Um, just because I know it has a, for me, I see it as a, a limited window of where people are really consuming. Mm -hmm. And after that, it's going to drop off significantly. So I want to have it in and out before that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, not a sour guy. So not, not something you want to go through. No. Um, so how much would a, uh, let's say the 300, it goes down about two, say 250 or something like that. How long does that last for typically? Like how long, I guess. So I have, uh, so there's one beer I do. It's called um, Life Choices. It's a New England style pale ale. And I can package 260 gallons of that and have it gone in two months. Okay. Um, or I could do something like a stout and that'll take me probably six months to sell. Uh, so, and again, going by the seasons, like a, a stout to me seems more of like a winter kind of drink. Is that right? Or do you, I find it winter or really hot summer. Really? Pe people really like this summer I have a stout on right now and it sold as well in the, in the hottest part of the summer as it did last winter. Yeah. I don't know. I like for some, I don't, I always just find stout is like kind of just like, it feels like a heavier drink, but if it feels more like it should be in the winter, I don't it, like, but again, like I'm not, I'm not a beer snob, so I'll drink whatever, but it just feels like I go in those cycles from, like, yeah. I just don't like give me a Pilsner in the summer and then a nice like stout in the cold winter sounds just like good. But I think it's like stouts are big flavor. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes from is like you have your, I find a lot of IPA, like hardcore IPA people would drink IPA or a stout because they both have the big, big flavor. Yeah. 
And I do, I do like IPAs, but you said you don't really care for them too much. I drink them, but it's not, they're not my go-to. I, when did the IPA craze happen? Oh, uh, that was, um, six, seven years ago. I would go back even farther. Yeah. Like, so I was out in the Seattle area in 2011, 2012, and IPAs were huge. Uh, that West Coast style, the yep. really bitter, dry IPA. And I feel like it's been, it's, it was big before I got there. So what's the difference between an Indian pale ale and just a pale ale? Uh, like an American pale ale, whatever. So usually they're hopped a little differently. The pale ale is a little less uh, bitter, um, a little more approachable, balanced out a little bit, and typically a little lower in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, IPAs, you, know, you start with a single and work your way up to whatever someone wants to go crazy with, but uh, pale ales kind of fit that little lower wheelhouse, I guess. Um and do you think that you've seen a spike in that or has that been pretty constant since you've opened? I think pale ales are more popular than ever now. Even when, before you opened? Oh yeah. Yeah. And what do you think the reason that is? Uh, just kind of got this like this hype about them now. IPA controls the market, but I feel like a lot of people have done their time with IPA mm-hmm. and now they're looking for those other beers and pale ale is a nice deviation that you still get all that flavor. It's just not as popping in the face, I guess. So do you, you said you like the hops or no? I do like them balanced? when they're done properly. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a right way and a wrong way. So, so I, I guess expand on that. How do you, how can you do it wrong or how can you do, how do you know someone nailed it? Uh, for me, everything should always be beer first. So everything is the beer and then you accent that beer with your hops or with your fruit addition or whatever else you're doing. Um, so if I take a drink of a beer and all I can taste is bitterness and a really harsh, you know let's say a, a really like a piney hop. I don't feel like that's done right. I feel like you should taste beer. You know, it should be that nice. I always look for more of a balance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a, you take a drink of beer and you have these nuances of what the hops offer. I feel like that's, that's the go right there. Cause it's, you're getting all those different pieces where when you overdo it on one way or another, you're not experiencing everything that's in there, you know? Does it make it harder for you to try beer if you go other places or easier? Because you know so much about it. I would say if I'm drinking a beer, I'm analyzing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you yeah. would have to, I think. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, I'm analyzing. Like, I'll, I like to watch the tap handles and see what, what people are pouring, see how people order. It's the whole thing of it. It's not just the beer itself that's in front of me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I like to always see what was this brewery's approach? You know, do they have five IPAs, two stouts and one other beer, or are they have no, a wide range or there's a little bit of everything to it, I guess. Well, it's, it's the market research aspect because like yeah. you, you could find something as simple as what's their sign out front and what's like, how do they have the flow in the chairs and how does everything kind of look and sound and feel there? I mean, again, it's social. There's more than just the taste of the beer going into the experience. Like yeah. if you want just beer, you can get beer pretty much anywhere. But you're not going to yeah. get like, like people like the craft because it's different than someone just putting it in a bottle. And but there's so many like, you go to any beer cave, there's a ton of craft beers there, which are fine. But it, it it's like it doesn't taste the same as if you get the same exact <laughs> beer, but you're at the establishment because right. you have the vibe of it. So it's like yeah, you can't re- re-replicate that with a can of beer, even if the taste is the same, because of all those other senses that like punch you in the face when you walk into a brewery. And I, and I think all those things affect when someone new comes in the brewery. Like say they come from out of town, um, that first experience, that first impression is everything because if they have that, you know, that man, I'm welcome and I'm comfortable, 
then they sit down and that beer tastes that much better. It's, it's a, now you're just stacking it on top of the pile of everything they're enjoying as opposed to, you know, they come in like, boy, I hated the place, but the beer was pretty good, but I hated the place. They're never going to come back. It's just not going to work. You have to have the whole thing going together. Um, what's one, what's some of your favorite breweries you visited? Um, let's see. I can kind of, I'll bounce around some different yeah. states and that way it's not all something local. I would say like Vermont, I really enjoy black flannel. Uh, okay. they're in Essex. It's a, uh, okay. they, they have a brewery and they have a distillery. They do a lot of, um, European style beer, uh, lagers, which I really enjoy. Um, when someone's doing lagers, you're usually doing it to a very specific target. And I like it to know that another brewer can hit that target. It's, it's me. That's like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do something that's got a bunch of fruit in it and all this wacky stuff because there's no other comparison to it. So either you like it or you don't, but when you're doing something true to target, you can do that. And that guy, I feel like he's got a really good thing going. Um, you know, if we like go to like Maine, I really enjoy like Bissell brothers, just a really cool place. Uh, I actually went to that one, one of the big ones that, yeah. you know, you, it's just, you enjoy it. Um, that's the one that's right next to the distillery in Thompson point. Yeah. Yeah. I went to a, con- a concert down there, but yeah, it was a good place. Yeah. And great beer, you know, yep. good atmosphere. Yep. Um, I like the way they have a lot of community involvement with outdoor activity. That's kind of something that they yeah. promote a lot. And I, I, I like that myself. I try to do that with my place. So that was something I really um, kind of bought into, um, out on the West coast. I really enjoyed, um, Ruben's brews, which is in, um, Ballard, which is just North of Seattle. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of my favorite breweries when I was out there. Um, there's a place called Halyards that was kind of opposite of a lot of them that I like are very rustic and very calm where Halyards was like this, everything's sheet metal and black and white yeah. and it was loud. And there's something about that place. I just loved it. <laughs> like it's, it wasn't a relaxing place, but it was a place you were there. Like you were in it. When it you were there. Is, so do you find that you've tried to, like based on the vibe that you have in, in at the at oval, like was that based on a lot of the building and the size, or was that preference of how you wanted to re- or wanted to portray the the brewery? It's the way I wanted myself to be represented in a space. I guess okay. is how I looked at it. Because um, it matches up with what you just said. Yeah. Like not the white loud white you know loud or white <laughs> and black loud place, but Because yeah. um, it does feel cozier in there than like I said, it's not. Like even Bissell Brothers, when I went, they they had like a lot of stainless steel, high ceilings, like big yep. windows out front. I mean, that was um, definitely different than yours. But yep. again, it's just it's everybody's got a little vibe that's different. And like I said, it's a different living room. It's like yep. you know, you go into the rustic <laughs> cabin in the Adirondacks, it's just as cozy as a mansion out in the ocean. Like right. it's just it's just different, you know. Yeah, and that, and that's I think that's one of the funnest thing about going to other breweries is you get to experience how they're putting it out there, you know. And it's you never know. Like I never know when I walk into a brewery what's going to really set an impression on me. Um, but there's always something when you travel to a brewery or say a brewer comes to your brewery, is it custom to drop that you own a brewery or is that something that's like undercover, like almost like undercover brewer? I'm just going to go in drink, not bring any attention to anything. Cause then like, I would feel like a, someone was a brewer that came and drank at your establishment. You have two things. You either don't give a flying F about it. And like, you just stick to your thing or you're like, I wonder if that guy like likes, likes my stuff. Do you, where I, do you uh, fall on that? Do you ever drop that or people drop it to you? Yes to both. Sometimes I say it, sometimes I don't. Um, I guess it depends on who's, who I feel like is working. Like if it's, if it's someone there and I feel like they're just doing their shift, yeah. they don't care. Yeah. You know, they, they don't care who I am, yeah. you know, so I would never say it. But if it seems like someone who's kind of vested in the place, 
I would probably share it with them and say, Hey, you know, and, I would, and if I'm saying, I probably have something I want to comment about that. I'm enjoying the way, the way they're doing it. Um, yeah. that's typically the way it'd play out. Um, with my place, I've had brewers from all over. Um, I like it when they introduce themselves. Um, cause it kind of puts us on a different footing, yeah. you know, for our communication. And, um, it's always nice. It's always nice to know other brewers are coming to my brewery. It's a, it's kind of like a, um, a pat on the back, I guess. Yeah. Oh, validation for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think if someone came up and told you that they were a brewer, like one, you'd have the validation that they're there, but then two, it's like, you, like you said, you have that language that you speak that like, yeah. some like beer, beer, like people deep in the beer industry will know, but most the common person won't. So then it's like, you get through all, like, I'm asking you a couple of questions, like some I know already and some I'm like for expanding and some of them I'm like, I really don't know how he does that. Um, but you're going right beyond that. You're going down to the weeds of like, you know, yeah. the culture, or you said like last year, the, how'd you find the, uh, you know, the, uh, whatever it is that, you know, the, the, the stock was out of the West that you got because the, the season was bad. He's like, Oh, it was terrible. We got it out of here. And like, you can have that conversation cause you filter through all the other crap. It's so base level. Yeah. Like just a couple of weeks ago, I had, um, the brewer from two heroes just over the, across yeah. the lake. Yep. They were in the place and you know, we were just visiting and we had a discussion about our point of sale system okay. you know and it's just little things like that that you come up with that you can t talk about that in other industry it's just very different you know but in brewing there's there is some common language that's not beer that makes makes the experience still you know well the, it, like i obviously i'm in the real estate industry but something i've, I've heard from multiple people is like r d typically means research and develop yep um but they always talk about R and D means rip off and duplicate. Like just grab what <laughs> someone's already doing and just do like have it fit your own mold. But don't rethink, you know, don't rethink uh, what's already working or reinvent the wheel. It's like it's working, it's rolling. Let's just brand it or do it to myself or, or I mean yourself, you know, with the brewery. Um, and well, I guess and back to the we kind of glazed over it, but the marketing aspect, like what goes into the name of, of each beer? Oh yeah, so sometimes. Um well, I guess a policy I have is I don't name a beer until it tastes the way I expected it to taste. Okay. So when I first started on the big system at the brewery, um, there was a learning curve to getting, getting everything dialed in. I went from doing 10 gallons of beer to doing 300 gallons of beer. And, you know, I, I can take my exact same recipe, my exact same process, brew it at my place and go to a different brewery and brew the exact same thing and it'll be different just because of the equipment and how things work. Mm -hmm. So there was a learning curve there and a policy I had is I don't name anything until it tastes the way I want it to taste. And then when I'm naming a beer, it usually has to do with, um, a message I want to portray, I guess. Um, so like life choices, for example, um, it's something I say to my kids all the time. Hey, life choices, you know, it's like you, you, you control your path, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And I, and that beer was my first hazy beer I ever made. And at first I was a little resistant because I felt like, no, these hazy things going to fade away. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I enjoy them. I enjoy drinking yeah. them. Why don't I make one? And I made it and it, it's, I still make it the same way today as I made it the first time I brewed it, which is pretty nice. Um, so I named it Life Choices. Um, like I have last year I'd had my first sour. It was called Butterfly Blood. And, okay. um, <laughs> My, my son and I were doing something and we came across this butterfly that got smushed and it, <laughs> it was bleeding and it was green and it was, and we were talking about it because my son's a big biology guy too. And, uh, he's funny. He's, he's a science and arts guy. It's the same kind of mix, but, um, so he goes, dad, that'd be a great name for a beer. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whenever I do a sour, I'll name it that. Cause at this point I was, I'm never going to do a sour. 
well, I made a sour. And I said, he, well, he remembered it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or someone remembered it. He yeah. remembered. Yeah. He, and he chuckled the whole time. I was like, well, I guess I know what I'm naming this one. You know, it's, it's kind of, well, he says like, I mean, I guess the story behind it's cool. Like, yeah, I'm assuming rock eater was based on the SNL skit, right? Yes. Yep. yep. Um, and then, uh, prom night cherry. I'm assuming it's what I think it is. So <laughs> it's interesting. Prom night cherry got a lot of remember, flack. I remember the first time I saw that too. I'm yeah. like, but this was years ago. I'm like, I mean, I'm down with it, but yeah. Like. <laughs> it, it's an interesting one. So Primate Cherry, when I was really designing this beer, it was going to be my beer for someone who comes in and says, I've never had a craft beer. What should I drink? Gotcha. So it was this, this first experience beer, this, um, you know, hopefully it makes an impression on them. So when I was, when I was trying to think of something, I was like, you know, what's something that people go through that they, they'll talk about their whole life. Usually prom night was one of those things that <laughs> everyone has a unique experience at prom night. So I kind of was like, yeah, I kind of like that idea. And then the cherry, which is I actually put cherry in it. Oh. And there are some rules about what, if you have other ingredients in the four original ingredients, you have to have documentation of it in certain ways. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I'll put it in the name and then we're good to go. And then I opened up and there was a, a group of people who were very offended and they really had a lot of strong feelings about it, which I respect. You know, everyone has their opinion and things. And um, I was kind of like, man, you know, this kind of really got me on my heels. I was like, this came out of nowhere. I would never saw this coming. And people were like, what, what do you mean? You didn't see it coming. I was like, I said, really naming this. I wasn't going for the pop culture dig on prom night. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was really looking at Urban the, Dictionary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was a good one for me. You know, I learned it. I, I've, I've been a little more careful since. That's right. As you say, you own it too. I think, um, do you watch The Office at all? Yeah. I, I think I bring this up every time someone's on the podcast. But remember, um, something i forgot what it was i think michael was arguing with jan he goes i'm just gonna do it harder or something like oh no i'm gonna date your mom harder when he's talking with pam about his mom which i think it's like we don't like that name he's like that's fine i'm gonna brew it harder yeah. like this is, we're gonna make we're gonna make this stick and um no i, th- I thought it was it's funny i remember yeah. the first time i saw it i was like well done like let's just go for it you know well, people order it just because of the name i mean yeah that's a pretty good name no absolutely As <laughs> I, I mean, say, if, if, some, if, if you can sell it on nothing but the name it's you did something right how, how do you find that most people pick a drink like if they just go and say like, I don't, cause I'll go a lot of times to it. Like I'll go to a brewery and like, I know I can pick something I, I would in, like, or in the, you know, in that, um, you know, kind of palette that I'd want. But a lot of times I just go up and ask them like, what do you recommend? Like just whoever's the person like straight up, make it simplistic one. I don't have to think. And then two, it's just like, what, what do you think having way more knowledge than me would be something to try? And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not what I want, but I find it forces me just to try a lot yeah. without me getting sucked down the rabbit hole of like an IPA or a Pilsner or something that's like, you know, that I would just probably default to. Like, what do you, how do you think most people pick or how many people like would do that? Walk up to you and just pick, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's all over the board. Um, there's people who come in and they want to try everything you have in a certain wheelhouse. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an IPA guy. I want to try everything you have hoppy. And then if you don't have enough of it, give me these two other things, you know, and they don't care about the other two. Yep. Or there's people who want the most ride range, you know, go from my Pilsner to my stout and everything in between. So it, it really depends on the person. I mean, for me, I like to go outside of my comfort zone somewhere and yeah. have someone make a suggestion. Hey, try this one. And I find, you know, I'll have a beer and like, and I stayed earlier. I don't like sours. Well, when I, when I was at Bissell, they had a sour IPA. I, I'm not huge on IPAs and I'm, I don't care for sours. I, the beer blew my mind. I loved it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I like that. Like, man, this, this is, it's very rare nowadays that a beer blows me away because yeah. I've had a lot of them. And when it happens, it's like, I was like that. Ah, oh, yeah, there it is. You know, it's, I like that. 
Oh, absolutely. It's like a fool and the magician almost. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I like this. Like this came out of nowhere. It yeah. wasn't you know, you know, something that expanded your, or excited you, which is always cool. So uh, if somebody walked in right now to Oval and asked you, what do they get? Like, what's your go-to and how do you read that situation? I guess the first thing I would say is everything to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they say no, I would give them, they'd, they'd probably be doing a flight and I would, I would give them, you know, my lightest beer, my hoppiest beer, my darkest beer a balanced beer and then just something random, maybe my cider. Um, a lot of people are like, I'm not a cider person. They try it and like, Oh, I kind of like that cider. You know, so that's, that's also a nice one. Um, I guess I try to read the person. Some people want to be surprised and some people want to be in the same path. Yeah. Are, are flights pretty popular for first time in? Yes. Um, that's not uncommon. People come in. I've never been here before. I want to do a flight. Sure. I love flights personally. Yeah, I like, think I think they have their place for sure because you can try a bunch. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of my thing too. Because sometimes like you know, I was going with some of those beers I said about before. Like I had one time, I don't remember if it was coffee or chocolate, but it was a stout, and it was really good. And I got about halfway through, and I'm like, I just don't want to finish this because it was just too much. But yeah. it, it was good. But I like it just filled me up. I was just getting like like stomach wise, I was like, this is just too much in a in a, a pint for me just to consume all in one shot. But a flight would have been great. I've been like, oh, I'll just kind of move my way around and yeah. kind of, you know, work my way up and down in between. And um, so, no, I mean, I, th- I think that would be beneficial, you know, obviously. But like, what's your flight typically? Five? Six on my flights. Six. Okay. Yep. Um, is that, is there like a standard on that? If it's four, six, five, six? There's no standard, but the, the state just passed the law maybe two years ago where breweries can have, um, I think it's five, five samples or less, and we don't have to pay tax on it. Oh, because wine there you go. has never had to pay tax on tastings. Yep, and beer finally got it. Um, but because I do six, I don't, I, I don't qualify. And I'm like, you know, oh, I would I, chop a, I would chop a circle off that board so quick. Uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, I want to sample, I want people to sample six. They're going to sample six. Whether it's tax like throw out like. We, it's like we charge it as six, but we'll give you two paddles of three. Yeah. Like just like work your way around it. It's like it's really only a third. Could do that. Flight of three. Um, the <laughs> um, now regarding the cider, what's the difference between a cider? Like, what's the process of a cider? First off, so for me, I mean, I'm sure there's other ways to do it. I get uh, raw cider from Rolf's. They do the they crush it for me. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, see um, I, I bring it in. I uh, pitch it with yeast. I ferment it out, and then I typically would fruit it. Um, and I don't put I don't put any chemicals in my cider. Um, I don't do any kind of uh, finings or anything. It's just a all natural, totally natural product. Um, no back sweetening, so it comes out the way it comes out. Because the way I look at it is, I'm not a cider house. Mm-hmm. I'm a brewer. Um, it's, it's something on the side I offer, but yet um, I can do it any way I choose. I guess. So, like when it comes to cider, like I always think citizen cider. So like Citizen Cider, like I've been to that place. That's cool. Uh, but the one I, I think it's Unified Press is the one I like. I think it's the yellow can. It's the one without the sugar added. Is yep. that similar to what this would be for you? Yeah. I I, I don't back sweeten. Um, it's just, I feel like cider should be what cider is always meant to be in the past. Not, yeah. I don't go for any of these kind of, you know, anything off the wall. It's just very, um, very clean and just standard i guess i don't know it's i'm not trying to impress it's, anybody it's with it. too sugary for me the other ones are too there's too much sugar well i i personally would rather drink something that's a little drier and yeah. less sugar and i feel like it's a little easier on your stomach and a little more enjoyable than just a you know if i want kool-aid i'll get kool-aid you know? yeah well that, i mean that's kind of goes with the uh 
like I said, the wine aspect, like I, I don't like sweet wines ever. I've never have, like I'm always dry, dry, white, dry, red. Like I just, there's something about just having the, like you said, the alcohol taste, the wine taste or the beer taste and that you drink a cider and it's got a lot of sugar in it. Like first thing I taste is sugar and it's like, yeah. okay, there's the, the rest of it. But it's like you get, cause I don't drink a lot of sugary stuff. So I get like pumped with this, uh, the sugar right off. I'm like, this is just a big turn off. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not yeah. a big sugary drink person. So if I have a, sweet anything even a mixed drink if it's really sweet i just like eh, yeah one and done you know kind yeah of, yeah know. um no i 100 percent agree the uh uh now designing everything like the logo and everything like that how'd you come up with the logo for oval what's with the hexagon and then kind of explain the rest of the logo so i work with a guy out of vermont his name is matt hay um he does some freelance stuff for me and he does all my logo stuff he does my logos my can design um, all those kind of things. And we went through, first we had a pretty good discussion about what I saw the place as being, my vision of it, um, my theory in brewing and how I approach brewing. And he gave me probably four different designs to look at. And we kind of took pieces and parts of the four and worked it into what we have now. Um, you know, my, my design is, it's very clean. It's very structured. It's symmetrical. Um, kind of science gotta be scientific <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so it all fits in uh the you know it's, it's very clear color it's very um you know and that was kind of the discussion we had uh balanced <laughs> balanced approach you know all these different things and it all ties into that logo and i for me working with him was was amazing for me because you know he and i have a discussion and he was able to put that discussion artistically in a in a graphic and I just, I was amazed by that when he did it. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. No, it is cool. I, I, uh, I agree the the symmetrical, the lines, like I'm kind of the same. I like clean. I like not a lot of clutter. I don't like a lot of wording, like just a very subtle design, like Apple, Nike, like things that you just like know if you saw it, like that's that company. Like yeah, that's instantly identifiable. Yeah. And yeah. even if you took oval off and just had the logo. I think most people locally would be like, oh yeah, it's oval. Like yeah. you just like, it pops and it sticks out, which is cool. Um, how, how much did you agonize over that? Was that pretty much like, this is what I want. Trust you. Just do your thing. Oh, uh, it took us about four solid rounds of tweaking and adjusting and coming revisit this. And it was hard. I mean, it's yeah. almost like naming your child. <laughs> Because like oval, probably more because it's visual as well. Well, you know, that's it's, it. Because like oval is yeah. a name, but when you actually pop the logo on there, like that's what people identify with. So yeah. It's like don't screw it up, don't make it stupid, don't make it something you're gonna have to rechange in a couple of years because you hate it. It's like yeah. you, you know. I think there's some things that you can agonize over. Like I try to make fast decisions, but there's also certain decisions where I'm like, I want to make a fast decision. I'm like, this is not a decision we need to make fast. Like yeah. we do have to take our time. We have to check everything, make sure it's what we want. Because it's a big decision. There, there's so many things in the industry. I mean, when we designed my, my tap handles, I mean, yeah, that was a process, you know, because we had to, what material do I want it to be? What height, what width, what color scheme, how much logo? Do you focus on the brand or do you focus on the style? Do you focus on graphic or do you focus on text? You know, there's a million and one things. Same with can can design. It's, 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 a, it's a process. But also you see like, <clears throat> the people that would use one over and over again, where you can just write on it. So it's not like the handles different for the beer. It's like you it's universal. It's like all the same, but yep. you just put the name on it. Um, how, how does, how is one of those built? Like, is there like a handle building factory for beer? <laughs> there is uh, mine though. I try to work with other local businesses. So 
Um, I would say there's four businesses involved in just my tap handle. Um, really? Five, so- actually five handles or five businesses. Uh, the wood comes from one place. The steel on it comes from another place. Um, the paint comes or the stickers come from another place. And then the hardware comes from another place. And then I assemble them myself. So was that a goal of yours to try to keep as much local as possible? Uh, it's always been a goal. Yeah. yeah. I feel like local dollars stay local if you spend them local. You know, yeah. you gotta, no, I love it. You can't just preach it. You got to practice it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and uh, no, it's really cool. So this photo right here where you're standing. So this is obviously right. So this is more of like your actual brewing location. So that's in the brewery, yeah. So that's behind the door based on this? Uh, that is kind of looking through an area you can't see from the tasting room. Um, that what you see that lit part behind me is the my grain room. It's a storage space. Is so, that is that the one facing back? So if you were um, if you were in the tasting room and you looked through the doorway that goes into the brewery, yep. it'd be around that corner that you can't quite see. Yeah, so more facing like the back parking lot. Area. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so adding in that new uh, like patio, how has that been? So that was something I've been wanting to do it for looks, a while. It looks great. Uh, I just yeah. drove by this morning too. I was like, kind of like, he's coming on today. I go and check it out a little, little more deep. But yeah, it looks great. I, I'm super happy with it. Um, I just bought the building last year. I had been leasing it prior to that. Okay. So that's why I did several improvements last year. And that was probably my, the one I've been wanting to do for years was more out, better outdoor seating. Um, so it was nice. Uh, my dad, myself and some friends, we did all the timber part and mm-hmm. then um, pavers and patios did the paver work. Uh, and I, I love the way it came out. Yeah, it's awesome. And like I said, I think it's a social aspect. So like sitting outside and we, we don't have a lot of very nice months, but like the months we do have are awesome. So like to go yeah. sit out and have a beer and, and there's something to be said too about sitting out and having a beer in a spot that you wouldn't typically sit out and have a drink. Like I'm, I'm saying like it's a brewery, but it's not like it's in your backyard. It's not on your couch. It's not like in a restaurant. It's like outside. It's like when they put going down um, City Hall Place and you can eat at irises or the pepper and you're outside. It just feels different. Yeah. Because it's just a change of scenery from what you normally would eat there and normally would drink there. So yeah. I, I love it. I think I just say anything with outdoor spaces, especially up here, we, we have to enjoy it. You yeah. Gotta like you got to squeeze out all like Get every bit of summer and you can. Yeah. Um, is, is this your first year with it or second year now? So we finished it in August last year. So okay, and it got cold quick in September. So I really didn't get much time on it last year. So this year has been really the first year. That's what I thought because I remember I remember it going up, and my memory is like everything's been a blur the last few years. So I'm like I can't remember how long it's actually been there. But uh, now regarding canning and regarding distrib- uh, like distribution and, and putting the drinks in other places, like how does that work in your business and um, you know the canning and 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 you know putting like whether it be a tap table tape takeover or doing some type of, you know, just dropping it at a certain restaurant and just saying, Hey, we have oval on tap. Like it was that a goal of yours from the start or has that been kind of a organic growth? Yeah. Uh, right from the get go. Um, distribution was a part of my business plan. Um, the, the goal was distribution would be the lion's share of my income. And then whatever I do in the tasting room is just good gravy on top. Cause then I'm yeah. not depending on, always forcing people in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't worked out that way, uh, but my distribution, I, I did my own distribution for the first four years. Um, I delivered all the kegs myself. Yep. Um, and then four years or two years ago, I fell down someone's stairs going into their basement carrying kegs. And I said, you know what? I'm lying on the ground. And I said, yeah, maybe I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> maybe it's time for somebody else. Outsource to- it. Yeah. So that's when I signed with a distributor. But um it's, it's always been part of the part of the math is to get it out. I feel like, you know, 
if you go into an establishment and you have a good experience there and part of that experience is having my beer, that maybe drives someone back to my place. Yeah, the absolutely. goal is also to get people in my place. You know, yeah. that's where I want to see them. Then I can interact with them and I can give them, you know, my, my take on things. And I'd like that. And distribution helps do that. Well, the distribution also is, is uh, like in our, or like in a marketing space, it's like, how do you market to many and not one? Cause they're just, if you can market to many people and do something one time, but it goes to a lot of people, that's a way better use of time than one-to-one. For sure. One-to-one is deeper. It's like a deeper connection. But again, you'll, they'll get that one-to-one service when they come and you're pouring them a drink and they're sitting down and you're shooting the shit at the bar versus, like I said, I'm going to cast this net to a couple restaurants and kind of let it, the beer do itself and attract the people that... It's a, it's a, fil- it's a filtration system for yeah. who's coming through your door. So you know the people coming through your door... They mentioned like I had it at this restaurant. Now I'm here. Like okay, that that's that's like a beer or that's someone that really like they'll have a great experience. Here. Yeah, yeah. Because getting driven here by some by the actual product. Yeah, and the the canning's been the next step in that process. I did it the first time. I think it was two years ago. Um, and like everything else, I tried doing the distribution myself for the first couple times. And I'm not a good salesman. Like I'm not someone who walks into a place and pressures someone until they buy. It's just yeah. just not part of me. So I yeah. I'm, you know, I, I walk in, no, we don't want to, okay, have a good day. You know, <laughs> so it didn't work out well. So I, my distributor now does my cans as well. Um, and canning is unique because if I'm doing draft, you have to have a draft system. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't sell that to anybody. It's, it's a different, if it's a different push where with cans, all you need is shelf space and you have much, much more reach and cans are the new, that's the hot package right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants something in a can. I think it's the, the tactile looking at the label you know, they're, they're, they're pouring that can with their buddy and they're talking about it. You know, it's, it's a different enjoyment. I personally would rather always have draft. I'm, I'm a big draft guy. Yep. I think that's the best you're ever going to get is the draft, but cans are coming on. Is there a science to that where draft is better than can? Cause I also hear too, like people are like, I like bottle over can, you know, and everybody has a preference. Do you think it's really much of a difference or is it more like psychological? I just think uh draft is just always fresher. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's, it's the way beard's made to be served. You, like when I do my calculations on how much I'm going to carbonate in these things, it's all based on its draft pour. Where when you do it canning, you, you have to do it to the spec of the canning machine. You have to make it work for the process. So it's a little bit different. And that's why they sometimes do taste a little different in a package. Is that why some people, if they get a, a beer or, or um, a can, they'll pour it into a glass to kind of replicate the draft? I think it's better enjoyed out of a glass because then you're getting because you know we taste with our eyes you know so you want mm-hmm. then you, you see the color see of the it head or, and everything else yeah and you kind of you know you'll get that aroma if it has a nice aroma to it you'll get that a little better than coming out with a little hole in the can or a bottle so you, you do get a better enjoyment I think what about the science behind it like the breathability of the like again I'm going from like the wine world like you pour the wine and you you don't just pour it and chug it like you pour it and let it sit and kind of let the air get to it and kind of you know, there's a science behind it. And again, some of it could be uppity up ner- nerdy kind of like wine people, but there is obviously some level of sophistication to do it versus just slamming it back. Yeah. It's subtle. It's like if you have a trained eye or trained taste buds or whatever, you're going to have more of a better experience doing that. Do you find that like the science behind a draft makes more sense than can bottle, whatever? Well, just the idea of carbonation is unique. Um, you know, you're dissolving liquid and or gas and liquid. And you're making that in a environment where it's just slightly unstable. That way, when you open it or pour it, that carbonation's released, right? And that gives you your experience of you know the bubbles. That makes you perceive flavor differently. Um, so as I'm brewing a beer, I'm tasting it throughout the process, and I'm drinking it flat most of the time. And then the final product is carbonated. So when you taste it 
flat, it is different than it is carbonated. And all these different things have an effect on how someone enjoys it. So there's definitely targets that you shoot for to, for proper carbonation. What about the glass, the shape of the glass? Does that matter? Uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't really buy into that one too much. I think again, if it's an attractive glass, it makes a difference because taste with your eyes. But, um, I don't know that I drink a beer out of this glass and I drink a beer out of that glass and it tastes different. I don't, I don't believe that personally. Some people will swear by it. I'm just not one of them. Well, I mean, you have like the, the standard pint glass, but then it's like you have like the Sam Adams kind of glass. Yep. And then you have like, I don't want to call it like a stem glass. I don't know what they're actually called, like stem, but you, you'll get them sometimes like a lot of sours, they pour them in them. They're like, yeah. they got like a stem with kind of like the little bowl almost, or yep. almost looks like a, a beer style like wine glass. Yep. I mean, it's a, I don't know if there's a difference, but I just like there must be some type of science behind the design. I think it's just I think it's more presentation. I mean, okay. there's there's places that'll swear by this beer goes in this glass, you know, and that's it. Um, I've I've drank beer in many different kinds of glasses. I just, you know, I, I, I mean, I've drank beer out of just red solo cup. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, I said my my, my uh, yeah. standards are pretty low when it comes to <laughs> drinking. It's like, um, like I, I like uh, we talk about mixed drinks. Like, I actually like Moscow Mules, which I are, love those. Yeah, yeah. So my, my they're my wife's favorite. And it's always like, oh, it's nice. You put it in the copper mug. Like, does it actually make sense if it's in the copper mug? Like, and well, technically the inside shouldn't be copper because it's not like the metallic's not good for you. But like, right. if it's stainless steel with the, the copper mug on the outside, for whatever reason, you just think it's better. But I know there's a that one has a little bit of science because of the insulation with the actual um, metal. But yeah. realistically, if you threw it in a clear cup, it's probably gonna taste the same. Yeah. Same ingredients, you know. Right. Like you gotta be you gotta have such a sensitive taste bud to make any difference. Like it's gotta be all in the head. I think sometimes and that and that plays into that same like people would say a beer snob or a wine snob. I think sometimes there's um you know, my theory, hey, does it taste good? Enjoy it then. You know, yeah. if it served in this glass or that glass, I I don't really worry about that too much. I mean I use glassware, I use different glassware in my brewery. But th- that glassware is also has a purpose of volume to cost. Like I try to have my costs all at a certain point, mm-hmm. and sometimes I have to serve something in a slightly smaller glass than another just to keep that price point correct. That's okay. that's Makes what sense. my that's my purpose of different glassware. Okay. Other places they they want to buy into the it's going to taste better in this than it will in that. So it, it's all yeah it, it. I think it's funny. I think um, now from like a sophistication level of drinking, like have you. How often do you start a beer and not finish a beer because you don't like the taste of it? Uh, not too often. <laughs> so you'll finish it. Yeah. It's kind of like, I've always read, like I like reading and I hear a lot of people say, well, if you start a book and you don't like the book, just don't read the book. Like stop reading the book and read another book. Cause like you maybe get 20, 30, 50 pages in. Like I'm not vibing with this, but I always, always like, if I'm starting the book, I want to finish the book because I always feel like I'm going to get something out of it. <laughs> And it might be like at the end, it's almost like, it's like a, it's like a movie or, or it's like a book or, or beer. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like the whole, you watch any of those movies, yeah, like yeah. They, they make no sense up until like the last 20 minutes. And then you just like <laughs> hit you with all this stuff. And you're like, that was brilliant. Like that was yeah. absolutely brilliant. But if you would ask me, like if you ever watch Hateful Eight, if you watch two hours of it, like this is so stupid. And then you watch the last like 30 minutes. Like this is an amazing movie. Yeah. But he just, he just took you a, a long time to build it up, you know, but I feel like that's like a book, but that could also be like a beer. If I really don't like the beer, yeah, I'm just I'll, gonna set it aside. I guess if I'm every every drink I take, I'm like, oh, oh boy, oh boy, then I will dump it. Yeah, um, but beer with like anything, it changes as the time goes. Like you, you know, as it warms up, maybe it tastes a little different, or maybe 
once that first burst of carbonation is out, it does mellow out a little bit and it does get better. So yeah, but I mean, like when I go to a brewery, I'm not typically drinking pints. I'm usually drinking half pours just because okay. I like to have more. Yep. I try more than just do a couple. Is that common to order at bar, uh, bars, half pour? Um, I don't know. I offer them. Um, I think most places around offer them. Yeah. In the brewery atmosphere, most people, like some people say a flight isn't enough, that volume of the flight. I want a little bit more. Yeah. So it's, it's just meeting that. What's a flight? Four ounces? Mine are four and a half. So like you're probably thinking more probably in that six to eight realm? Yeah, my half pours are eight. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Half yeah. a pint. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I would tend to agree on that because there is a certain level too where I don't say it's the point of no return because you'll finish the drink, but there's a point where you're like, I really could just... I want to try something different because I almost feel like you're just like stomaching it. And again, beer is not like drinking water. You can only drink so much of it because right. it's like, yeah. you know, depending on how much you can consume and stuff, it's like, I don't want to waste it on stuff I don't want. Like, let me try something different. Yeah. If I'm really not enjoying it, I won't drink it. I mean, but it's, you know, I probably would kick into my analysis mode and be like, okay, so what, what is it about this I'm not enjoying? You know, is it, and I, I would probably do that for at least a half of it for sure. Who's your quality control of your beer? Is it you? Um, so I do my own, I have a small lab upstairs that I'll do like yeast analysis and things with, um, I use, I guess I go off a lot of just customer feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like people are very honest with me and I appreciate that. If someone doesn't like something, I, I, I learn as much from hearing that as I do someone loving something. And if someone really likes something, I'll often follow up with, so what is it about it that you like? Or if they really don't like something, what is it about it you don't like? Do you have like a, um, do you have like a small group that you run your beer by? Because when you said like you wouldn't name a beer until it's perfect, does that perfect, is that Jesse's perfect or is that Jesse and a few close friends that are tasting this perfect? Um, my brother is a big input for me okay. when it comes to tasting beer. Yep. Uh, he has a very good palate. And sometimes I'll think I maybe I taste this. And are, are you getting this? You know, if it's maybe an off flavor, which maybe I, you know, my temp is off a little bit or something. I want to know, did it affect this? Um He's, he's probably my, my biggest go-to when I really want some feedback on something. And when you beer, when you brew a certain beer, what's the, are you brewing it for like enjoyment for yourself or are you brewing it to try to appease like a crowd of people? I do both. Okay. Uh, generally it'd be to what's going to sell, you know, yeah. I, I, is it a business? So I have to sell it. Um, but it's rare that I have a beer on tap that I just don't like sours. Like I do one sour a year. I do half a batch and it's gone by the end of the summer typically. And I won't do it until the next summer, but you'll never see me behind the bar drinking a glass of the sour. Um, most of the beer I, I brew, I do enjoy to drink. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have IPAs. I maybe would have one of those every two weeks where if it's something like my brown ale, I might drink that every other night, you know, that kind of thing. So, but brown ale is still your go-to you think? I like them. Yeah, it's like a blue collar guy beer. You know, I just, right. I just yeah. like everything. About There's nothing it. wrong with it. Yeah, so. they're they're just balanced and easy, and I like that. It was funny the other day, and again, like a more commercialized beer, but I was drinking Blue Light. Like I grew up drinking Blue Light, and I've like I had a bunch of light beers, like commercial, like like high volume light beer kind of things. Um, and for whatever reason, like just something about Blue Light. Like I hate Bud Light. I don't like Mick Ultra. Like I can I like Miller Light, but it's always like my favorite is Blue Light. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe, yeah. but it's like you find something that you just like, and it just sticks. And like even you go to some of the better. 
I, like I find blue light is is like you said, it may not be in like a beer realm or what is it on tap. Like you might not make the on tap like <laughs> yeah. uh, high ranking, but it's one of those beers like I enjoy drinking it, so therefore I'm going to drink it. You know, see, I like Simple. Molson. Molson's my I love Molson. I can drink it all anytime. And it's- Molson for me is I have to be at the Bell Center to drink Molson, <laughs> and I, maybe because of the old Molson Center. But when I go up there, I'm like I don't even look at other beers. I'm like just give me a give me a tall Molson. Yep. I don't know what it is. Again, it might just be nostalgia, but I'm like, I just want to have it. I feel like I'm at like a sports game. It's like, you go to a baseball game. It's like, I'm not looking for an uppity up drink. Like, I would just want like, give me just something that I can, you know, ha- say slam, but like go sit in the bleachers and have a beer and like not really feel like I'm drinking something. Like, I don't want something. I'm high here for class baseball, not for beer. I want a baseball beer. <laughs> I want just a like, cheap pills. And like, I go up to, been to Yankee Stadium and they, uh, is it, um, is it Brooklyn Brewery? They do, uh, it's the pills. I think they call it the, the pinstripe Pilsner at the Yankee Stadium? I think so, yeah. It's a Pilsner, but it's in a Yankees can. It's the most simplistic thing. But like, just give me that. It's, uh, it's easy. It's, yeah. not, it's like you can drink a lot of them. It's, it's very refreshing. <laughs> uh, but it's like it feels like a baseball beer. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm drinking it. I don't want an IPA at a baseball game. Like, yeah. It's not the vibe I'm going for. <laughs> uh, now, can you drink beer with food? I typically don't. Okay. I, I like to either drink before I eat or after I eat. Um, I have done a couple um, beer tastings. So like where there's the beer was specifically paired to certain foods. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, one time Dominic's uh, did it in Malone and they did it with, I think it was five of my beers. And it was amazing to me how good it, everything went. Like I was, it, but that was, that's off normal for me. I typically drink before I eat. Um, I don't know why that is. I, I, I do have a beer with dinner sometimes, but most often it's always before or after. So and I've never, I've seen if there's anything like connection. I've, if I get a beer, it is purely before the meal and I won't try. Like It's not like I just naturally put the beer away. As soon as the food comes, I, I think it's just because beer like can fill you up quicker. I get full, yeah. Yeah, that I want to eat and then I'd rather have, like the only thing I can drink with a meal is wine. Like I can have wine with like a steak or a fish meal kind of thing. Um, but like I don't want to mix drink with beer. I don't want to seltzer or uh, with dinner i don't want a seltzer i don't want a beer I'd like i can drink wine but then after i could go back to drinking beer but it's like if food's in front of me i just can't match it to yeah. i don't know what it is i'm sure the flavor's good yeah but I, I think i find i want to taste the beer as the beer and i want to taste the food as the food correct and if they're not paired the, the only the only one i would make an exception for because you kind of talked about it was um german beer like uh was it like a um bavarian isn't that a german uh region yeah but you get like that and you have like the pretzel or you'll have like brats, you have something like that. Like I feel like that kind of food and the cheese like that enhances the beer and they, they yeah. pair well together, yep. but I got to be in the mood. Like we went down to Philadelphia of my, um, visiting my brother-in-law and we went to this German restaurant. It's just like authentic German. Like the food's German. It's heavy meat, <laughs> potato, sausage, cheese. It's, it's great. Um, uh, like sauerkraut, all the stuff that you'd expect. And they had so many beers. It was insane. And what, a couple of the things, like you were looking at it, and they actually had the original um, up on the wall. It was like the original, I want to say Bavarian, but it could have been something else in German, but it was the original brewing laws of Germany. Yep. Like the ingredients, like you said, was only like four ingredients or yep. something. Uh, what were the four? It's a barley, water, yeast, and hops. Okay. I, I knew water was one. It was simplistic, yeah. but water. But like that was all... For it to be considered, I think, a German beer or whatever, could only have those four and no additives or nothing. Yep. Yep. And 
it was kind of cool to read the history of it. And some of it was very old, like it was transcribed from German, but it was like old German, I guess, transcribed. And probably, I might have the dates wrong, but I feel like it was like 11, 1200s. Does that make sense? Or was that too far back? It would have been more 1600s? I think it was older though. I I forget when it was written. The Rising God, I think is what it's called. It was a long time ago. It was like longer than I ever anticipated it being, which makes me think it was like 11 or 1200 AD. Uh, It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was significant. Um, I I don't remember the dates on it though. So I'm, I'm thinking more like the 1400s, but... It was old. Could have been, yeah. It was, I mean, it was longer than I thought. It wasn't yeah. like 1700. It was way before that. Yeah. And, um, but what they had was he had these massive, um, like the beer steins. But it wasn't like the beer steins you'd see at like Oktoberfest, like, you know, not like plastic, but like in Germany. But they had these big, like, glass, it wasn't like the boot or anything like that. But it was just a big stein. They had a, there was the regular one, and there was like a 32 or 48 ounce stein. I don't know what one. Probably what, liters. It was yes, it was in liters. Yeah, and I feel like it was like a half liter and one liter, or one liter and two liters. What you could order. Yep. And then you get it and you start drinking, and it is kind of like that brownish red color. I don't know exactly if it was a lager or an ale, but you started drinking. It was just a heavy beer. Like you could drink like and yet heavy food. Like it was a heavy <laughs> meal, but it tasted great together. The food and the yeah. beer. <laughs> Have you been to any of those? Yeah, uh, I had family that used to live in Indianapolis, and there was a German restaurant there we would go to sometimes. And uh, I always enjoyed, yeah, German beer with food. You're right; it's, it just it just works. It's a but weird I think they put beer in the food a lot. Like they like they boil the brat in the beer and all these different things, yeah. and that just keeps that lens to beer it. battered and yeah, like the cheese. They had like onions in the cheese, which was really good. It like kind of had a kick to it. But yep. They had like with the pretzels and the salt. It, it was just. It, Whatever it was, Germany can do beer very well. <laughs> yeah, um, they got it figured out. Yeah. Have you studied that market a lot? I do some. Um, like I have a Vienna lager I do. That's a very traditional, true-to-form uh, beer. Uh, I would like to do a Bach. Um, okay. I don't know anyone around who's doing one. But I kind of, that's one of those beers. I was like, boy, I'd really like to do it. But will it sell? Yeah. You know, because it's a Might be a seasonal beer. rotation. Yeah. Yeah, like it'd be a nice winter beer to put out. Maybe and do some barrel aging with one, um, but time will tell. Yeah, I, I, that's something I like, would be interested in doing this year, actually. So, I guess history of beer. When was beer first invented, and what are the major regions in the world for beer? Uh, so, I'm not a historian of beer, but I believe it was invented uh, well BC in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia yeah. Um, by Middle accident. Easter. Uh, and original beer was more like a uh, really loose oatmeal. It was because basically what they would do is they'd put stale bread and stuff in and liquid, mm-hmm. and it would spontaneously ferment. The bread would break down the sugars. The wild yeast would eat that sugar, and it created an alcoholic beverage. But that alcohol was safer to drink than water that would be polluted. So people, that's where beer came from. It came from this necessity of consuming something a little healthier than polluted water. Um, but it was somewhere in the desert somewhere. Um, I don't know exactly where, but it's it's been around. I think it's probably either that or I would think wine would be the oldest because squished berries or yeah. squished grapes probably been around a lot It's just funny. Too. like the, the idea of like who came up with the idea of fermenting and, and brewing or, or, or uh, doing the um, wine, it was a whole process. So someone obviously probably found it out by mistake and then was like, and I'm guessing the first person to drink alcohol, do you think the alcohol content of that was high or low back then? It was probably pretty high. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would think it was pretty high because they didn't they didn't know what yeast was, right? So they just thought it was magic. Like, ah, I put it here and it starts to bubble in a day. Yeah. You know, they didn't know what yeast was until microscopes well, were invented. Well, I'm sure as soon as they drank it and started to get like uh, the first buzz, like who's the, like who's the person in history got the first buzz? <laughs> like when you look at that, it's like that person did they get all of a sudden they were onto something. It'd be like the first person to like eat a mushroom and all of a sudden start tripping. Like, Oh my God, you got to eat this mushroom. And like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah. it just seems it's strange how you come across it, but it's like nobody drank beer before. Like who's the first person to drink beer? It, it, was, it was probably like a little village dog or something. And they are like, Hey, if the dog can drink it, I can drink it. Kind of yeah. Thing. He's looking, he's having a good time. And I, <laughs> it, it's funny when you look back, I think about that a lot. Like who's the first person that did this or said this or came up with this idea. And some are like, simplistic ideas but like who's the first person that thought like why don't i put an idea down on something that will stay on a piece of like not paper but just i can like mark it down so i don't forget it yeah like who was that person you know yeah. and they obviously came out with a bunch of different things and now it's like technology and tablets and you know eventually it's gonna be like neural link scan stuff in your brain and it's like but it's insane that all these old things came from those concepts like beer it's like who came up with the beer but yeah. like thank god that person did because yeah. like, now we got this whole industry i got a you know i got a career you know and um <laughs> Yeah, that it's it's uh, my head always goes to that kind of stuff when it gets back uh, when it goes when you go far enough back in time. But um, now collaboration, um, do you do any collaboration with local breweries or local businesses or local restaurants or anything like that? So I've done all of it. Um, I've I've done collaborations with the, the was it the first year of COVID. Uh, the four local breweries, we all did a collaboration together. We all went down and brewed a beer with Living Goods, mm -hmm. and then all four of us did a. So it was, it was an Oval Living Goods beer, a Valcor Living Goods beer, and a Osable Brewing and Living Goods beer. Okay. And then all four of us got together and did a fourth beer, and we were selling them as a mixed four-pack. So it was kind of cool because each beer had the influence of the visiting brewer. Yep. And they all were, were unique in that sense. Um, so it was one can with four inputs in the one can, or was it a well, package of four different beers? Package of four different beers with one being two inputs, or three of them being two inputs, Yep. and then the fourth one being all four inputs that's pretty cool yeah it was pretty neat are those still in rotation or no no that's all gone now um that, but, but you i'm sure have a spreadsheet all on how to do it i have it written down yeah sure. yeah so you could <laughs> like you could do a five-year anniversary or whatever we could yeah uh so i've done that collaboration i did i've done a couple with a brewery over in vermont a green empire okay um i've done stuff with businesses like uh i've used cold brew from chapter one or i've used coffee from adirondack roasters like uh Roasted beans mm -hmm. and and beer, um, you know. I work with Rolf's as far as using their cider, so I try to do a lot of things using other or working with other people because it's it's good for all of us, you know. It's but, uh, yeah. Well, how, how's how's coffee and beer? How does how does that process work together? So, coffee's kind of a unique flavor because some people mistake a dark roasted barley for a coffee flavor. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that um, you know it's kind of got that dark. Uh, you know, sharpness, I guess, like coffee would have. And sometimes you can make a beer and people think there's coffee in it. There's no coffee. It's just the amount of dark roast. But so coffee plays well in beer. It's good. Coffee has a million and one flavors to it. Yeah. Um, years ago, I did a pale ale with coffee. Um, and I used an Ethiopian coffee that has citrus notes in it. Mm -hmm. And those citrus notes came through in the beer as well as the coffee. And the way I did it is I used whole beans that are right off the roaster. And as the beans cool, they emit CO2. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I put it in the beer as like a secondary addition. So that CO2 then went into the beer and it caused a nice, a big coffee aroma, but without a lot of coffee flavor, but you got those nuances from the coffee, a really unique beer. Um, 
So do you enjoy those kind of beers? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I'm, I'm going more on the artistic side than the, the scientific side. How many beers do you make that never, never hit the tap that this is like in the back tasting room or at home or in the garage or wherever? Like, is there something that you just make for you? Cause you're like, I just want to try this. I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to sell it, but I got to, I got to scratch that creative itch, that artist itch. And I just got to make this for myself. I have a pilot system. That's a one barrel. So it's a 30, 31 gallon system. Okay. Um, and that's what I use that for. Uh, so that'll, that'll put out, um, you know, 30 gallons of beer and it's just enough where I can maybe sell it for two weeks. So I'll make it something that I want to make. Other people can try it. Well, and it's going to ask you like, how, how much does 30 gallons, uh, how, how long does that run you? But then we'd see how much of an alcoholic you are. It'd be like, ah, oh, a couple of weeks. I literally kind of hammer that down. But no, that'd be at the brewery. A couple that- weeks, yeah. <laughs> I, when I was working on the place and my stress level was at max, I was going through, I was probably going through 30 gallons in two weeks, but how, not, not so much now. How was, uh, I was going to say, how was it with COVID? Because you couldn't open for the longest time. Uh, COVID was, well, I remember at one point sitting and we, we were open throughout COVID. So uh, at one point we weren't, we weren't allowed anyone inside. So it was to go only. Mm-hmm. Uh, people could walk in, purchase and walk out. And I remember probably, I don't know, a month or two into it and sitting there going, this isn't why I built this business to sit here by myself. Like I'm still selling products. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still paying my bills, but... I want people here. Like I want to visit and I want to, you know, have that interaction. And that was miserable. You know, it was, it was, I still did sales and I, you know, I'm still open from it, but it's, it was a loss in that sense. Well, the thing is like over COVID, the amount of people that drank went through the roof. Oh yeah. COVID sales wise didn't hurt me. Um, I mean, just, I'm just saying like, even just people's practice in life, like, I drank over COVID because I was like, I don't really have anything to do. Not, I'm not saying like, dr- dr- uh, dr- sound like I'm sound like I'm drunk right now saying this, but like I didn't drink enough to like not know what I was doing. But I'm like, I'll have a drink or two at night because I don't have to really go to bed early. I don't have to wake up early. Right. Like we yeah. don't. It's like a very weird time. Um, but like people are like, I got nothing else going on tonight. It's like a Saturday night every night, so I might as well just have a couple of drinks and hang out, watch a game, or just like I'm by myself. Like, yeah. and everyone had different stresses with COVID, so I think yeah. some of it was coping with alcohol. I mean, realistically, you know, people were it getting into it. Yeah, it just. I mean, I know there was a spike in it. There was a spike in certain things over COVID, but that was yeah. one of them. It's like no, people just drink because it's. And that was another thing about COVID that was uh, unique for me was seeing all those local people come in to support me, mm-hmm. and it was it was really heartwarming, you know, to have this people coming in like, I know I, I knew I had to come in and just buy something because I, you know, I want you to do better. I want you to get yeah. through this. And it was nice to hear that and see that happening. It was, it really made me feel good. Well, I think that's one, one thing over COVID that came out, especially like in small, small areas was like people really rallied and like, like, okay, well, we're, we're going to help other people. And yep. you know, if you had the means, like, you know, I think a lot of, you know, it was like, Hey, let me just get a gift card. Let me just get something that I can use next six months from now but let me get you the money to float you basic. And I saw a lot of that going on too. People were just collecting gift cards. Like I'm not going to use it right now, but yeah. let me just get it. And you know, I'll see you in a few months when you're back, like, you know, full, full swing with yeah. good sit people. And it's, it's cool. And I think, like I said, when you rely one, you're a staple in the community, you're, you're built for the community. And it's like when you need the community basically to survive, not in a, not in a bad way. I mean, you'd find if the, nobody ever walked in there, you would find a way to make it happen through distribution, but it's like, it's geared at, getting people in the door and having that community, almost like the, you know, the bar and cheers. Like you want people to come and hang out and you want to know everybody's name. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the beauty of those bars and, 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 you know, breweries. And it's like, it's the communal aspect. Um, and I think that it goes far beyond the drinks. Like you said, there's a social element to it. There's the relaxation. There's the, you know, you know, again, I come from the business world, but a lot of business gets done 
after hours having a drink. Like for sure. You know, not, yeah. I'm not saying like loose lip, but you have like ideas are flowing. People aren't stressed. People aren't yeah. worried. I have no, no place to rush. I can just have a conversation. And you know, I find that there's so many things that happen around food and drink in life. That's, I mean, we do it every day. You eat and drink something every single day. Like you might as well make it enjoyable. I know. I think, um, probably eight couples who have met at oval and gotten married which is kind of a cool thing because to them that's always that special place that that's the spot that's where we met you, you know have like a matchmaker booth or matchmaker <laughs> matchmaker ta- uh, a sour or something like that maybe not sour maybe something a little more uh, balanced right yeah <laughs> um so I, I guess going forward jesse last kind of question i have for you like what's what's the game plan with um do you have any future plans that you want to do with the business? Anything that might be coming out, anything that you're like, Hey, I'm kind of trying to work on, you know, you know, a collaboration or some other facet of your business. Uh, so this year's focus is, um, improving the building again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to either do some new heating or some insulation or something to make that building a little more comfortable in the winter. It's an old building and it's, um, has its issues with winter time, you know, mm-hmm. um, the more comfortable people are, the better they are experience and the longer they stay. In the maybe not too far off future, I would like to maybe put a kitchen in and have food. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a hole in my business is not having more food for people. And I think I could do it well. Um, again, it's a small space, so it'd be very small menu and very, you know, very niche. Um, but I think it would work. And those are probably the two biggest things um, on my plate right now that I just want to move forward with. But everything else, like it's kind of like where you like it, kind of that sweet spot. I would always want to be busier. I mean, I'll never say yeah. that. I I always want to do more, sell more, uh, brew more, and there's there's something about that when you're just right in the groove and you're just pounding it out. It's just rewarding, you know. It's hard work and you feel good after you're done it. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, well, Jesse, well, in there, I, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I've I've known more about uh, beer than I ever have. You answered some of my some of the questions were selfish questions on my part. I just wanted to know some more information. But um, for anybody that hasn't been um, and wants to check it out, or if you're listening from far away and you ever come to Plattsburgh and want to make it a destination, um, was it one ten US Oval? One eleven. One eleven. Yep. I like that one. One eleven. Uh, we're one two three. So it's like those easy <laughs> science guys. That symmetrical <laughs> thing. So one eleven US Oval um, in Plattsburgh, right on the base. Um, Cool little spot. You can't miss it if you're on the base. Like if you're gonna exit the base, you go by it. So it's right, kind yeah. of a nice little. You got it. Like it's a bottleneck. It's a perfect little bottleneck to, to go with the beer. So, uh, but yeah, check it out. Um, one there. I'll put some stuff in the show notes if you ever want to reach out. But again, episode two hundred three with Jesse Jolliker, the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.